Hey everyone, this is Yaro and you're listening to the DIY Small Business Podcast. I'm thinking about you extra much in these really difficult and uncertain times and if I'm really honest, I really don't know what to say. <clears throat> I'm in grief and shock and deep uncertainty and I'm also really committed to keep podcasting because I think it would be good to keep having good conversations and maintain a sense of being connected and being in dialogue and hearing about awesome stories and ideas and approaches and so I'm really committed to, yeah to send more podcast episodes out I've been slowing down a little bit over the last two weeks um, but I'm back and really excited um, I've spoken to beautiful people and today I'm sharing a conversation with Kate of Wonderworld Consulting which was really beautiful. I just listened back to it and uploaded it and I was just full of gratitude um, for being connected to Kate and knowing more about her work. We talked about creating a solid financial foundation for small businesses, about being okay with not being employable, which is really close to my heart. We also talked about really being led by our values and what that means in practice and about meeting business partners and customers and clients with empathy and also about building resilient local networks. That's something that I haven't done so much of yet but actually really would like to do here in Scotland. So if that's on your mind and your heart then I really hope you'll enjoy this conversation. Also a quick announcement, I will be offering a free workshop this coming Saturday at 6pm UK time in which I will share tools and approaches for taking your business online and working with the uncertainty of the times ahead. And I think, yeah, I'm doing that because um, I know many of us are really anxious about yeah, how things will play out, how, what it will mean that we are um, in a global pandemic. And, and also the reality is that many of us will be in lockdown and, and some kind of self-isolation or social distancing for a while to come and I would like to create some space for us to talk about what that means for our businesses and what we can do to connect with people online and possibly work from home and make that as smooth and sustainable as possible. So I will share both technical tools and explain how they work and I will also answer questions and just share some resources that I find really useful and there will be plenty of time just to connect and ask questions as well. So I would love to see you there and I'll link to that in the show notes as well. And for now, just thank you so much for listening. Let me know what you want to hear more about and I'm sending so much love your way. <sighs> Hello everyone. I am really excited to bring you another interview conversation. As you know, I've been just super lucky this year with the kinds of people that have said yes to being interviewed. So today is no different. I'm speaking to Kate Strathman. I hope I got this right. <laughs> of Wonderworld Consulting about yeah, values in business, what it means to build one. It's really interesting work that she's doing in local economies and I'm just super super excited um to get to dive a little bit deeper okay thank you so much for making time and being here my pleasure <laughs> i'm excited to talk today yeah me too um so i want to start by asking you where, where you live and what nature is like around here i always like to be able to imagine kind of how this conversation is coming to be yeah um 
So I live in Philadelphia on the East Coast of the United States. And today I'm uh, chatting with you from my office, which is smack dab in the center of the city. So we don't have a lot of, I have, I have a nice wall of office plants in the window, but otherwise um, our office is more or less equidistant from the two rivers that run through Philadelphia and kind of frame out center city. But I can see a couple of historic brick walls out my window <laughs> and some sunshine, and I couldn't tell you where the nearest tree is. Um, so there's not a lot of nature, but there is a lot of urbanness. Yeah, and um, you've got great art around you that I can yeah. see and listeners can't, but yeah. <laughs> Thank yeah. you, cool. Well, I would also love to know a little bit more about yourself and your business and how that came to be. Tell us anything you would like to share. Sure. Um, so I am an artist first, probably, and multidisciplinary business owner, queer woman, uh, rabble rouser on occasion. Um, and I think my, my path to business has been, like many of us, completely winding and non-traditional and all over the place. Um, so, and, and I think particularly as someone that works with financials uh, frequently and as a foundational element of our work and um, my business, Wanderwell. So, you know, my degree is in art and I think that's really the core of my being um, and how I approach my business primarily. Um, however, you know, and the, the origin story is... Uh, is somewhat accidental. Um, I met my former business partner in a coffee shop in South Philadelphia. Uh, we co-worked there frequently at the time, about seven years ago, maybe now, um, and started working on projects together with local businesses in Philadelphia. And they have a MBA, hard finance background. Um, and so it was really kind of a marriage of our skill sets and um, built from there. And uh, so, you know, where we are today is sort of a continuous evolution of that beginning work of really working on business planning and strategy with folks. Um, and I think we've, you know, have expanded over the years and myself now as the sole director of the business, you know, I think we're really, it's, it's really grounded in, um, a kind of multidisciplinary vision of what a business can be and what it can do and what kind of economies we can engage with and how we can affect change mm -hmm. through that. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't really say anything about what we do yet, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but you have great ideas. That's the most. <laughs> <laughs> but those ideas come through. Um, so you know, we're primarily a consulting company. Mm -hmm. uh, which is the driest way of putting it, and um, work on strategy, finance, um, and all the foundational elements of business, uh, as well as providing bookkeeping services for small businesses. So we have a, a really solid financial foundation to what we do to then be able to ask people questions about their dreams and hopes and wild fantasies, and but be able to really ground it in mm -hmm. um, some reality data cool that is so needed I feel like there's a lot of air element all around us when we are in the beginning and we're like yeah. oh I have this idea and it's so dreamy and beautiful 
Um, and then there's kind of the first wave of imposter syndrome to work through. And, and grounding often gets left out in that phase, I think. And, yeah. and so, yeah, I'm really excited that you're doing this work. And I can imagine that it's super valuable and supportive for lots of dreams that have come to be. Yeah. And they don't teach it anywhere. I right. think is the, the other thing that's been my biggest realization is like, you can go get an MBA, but they don't, most programs actually don't teach you how to run a small business. So okay. it's not, you know, you can learn Excel really well. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but in terms of like actually understanding how business finance works okay. and stuff like that, um, they're not in a lot of spaces uh, yeah. to find that knowledge. Yeah, that's so true. I would love to know what made you start a business in the first place. Did you ever intentionally walk away from an arts practice or or did it just kind of fall into your lap? How how did it happen? Um, I think it, you know, it kind of fell into my lap. I, I had, um, I w I've been always pretty clear that I did not want to make my living primarily from art. Uh, mm -hmm that felt stressful. <laughs> um, it's very hard to do. And so even in school, like that was something I always felt very clear on. Uh, I had one full-time job in my early twenties. Um, and I left that and moved to India and was in and out of India for a couple of years. So, you know, I think a lot of it came from being really clear that, uh, I, I like to joke that I'm not super employable. Um, Like, I definitely am better in an owner seat or a visionary seat or a leadership seat. Um, I have a hard time not, like, interjecting my opinions on <laughs> things, I think a lot of us do. Uh, that might be the Aries rising. Um, but uh, so I think a lot of it came from, like, especially in my 20s, I was piecing together work and I did some web development and I did some marketing stuff and you know, was all over the place. And so uh, this body of work and like current business, uh, I think came about by accident really. And, mm -hmm. you know, kind of falling into projects that uh, I just got really super into, like the the strategy and the, the systems that underpin what we're trying to do in our businesses, especially in small creative spaces. Mm -hmm. um, And it kind of grew from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes total sense. And so interesting that you've done uh, web development work as well. I think that's always such a unique way of looking behind the scenes of businesses. I think that I'm learning a lot about, yeah, strategy and visions by kind of like having that side way view into something yeah. yeah so it's kind of like a home or container yeah <laughs> that actually holds more than it appears mm -hmm. yes. yeah um I would love to live to know a little bit more about your business values and how they're related to the political ideas that you hold dear mm. um yeah so I think you know one of One of our values is inquisitiveness. And, you know, I, that relates to, I think, a bit about what I was saying as being an artist first, in that one of the ways I think about artists and the, the role of artists is that, you know, we ask deep questions mm -hmm. that, that maybe do not have answers. <laughs> 
Um, and, and, and maybe that's a good thing. Uh, and so I think there's a piece of it that's related to that. And then I think the, the sort of political part of it and what's grounded in, I would say the like, uh, the engagement with a critique of the system that we're in, like we are living under capitalism generally in the Western world. And, um, and at the same time, uh, you know, I think the inquisitiveness value for me is a way of saying that we're going to test assumptions. Um, and we're going to ask the questions of like, why do we think this way? Or why, why do we assume, you know, that this is the right way that we're supposed to be engaging in the system? Or these are the kind of beliefs that come up. Um, you know, one of the ones, the sort of like common uh, phrases that gets thrown out there a lot, especially I think in like online business world, is charge what you're worth. Mm-hmm. And that's one that's like feels so loaded to me <laughs> because it's like, well, if you're not part of dominant culture, like if you don't hold that, you know, place of positional privilege, that can be so fraught with mixed mm-hmm. messages. Mm-hmm. Um, like as women, as people of color, you know, we are being paid less on the dollar than white men. Like that's, there's hard data about that. Mm-hmm. So it's like worth, you know, there's mis- mixed messages I think about worth and that, like those kind of um, pricing, how do we position ourselves in the marketplace? Like those can actually be really hugely politically fraught mm-hmm. <laughs> um, topics and choices to engage with. And so, you know, I think at the root, this uh, value of inquisitiveness is really just about asking those questions and mm-hmm. um, knowing that we're not going to be impeccable in our integrity about it because it's not possible. Yeah. Um, like, we will replicate harm even mm-hmm. as we, you know, like, I know that I do that too. And I'm replicating harm in the system that I'm trying to unpack and <laughs> critique, but at least uh, to challenge the assumptions and questions. Mm-hmm. That's, that's kind of the biggest one. Um, <laughs> and then I, I think the second value that's really important is empathy. Mm-hmm. And just really being uh, attuned to where people are coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, and knowing that business is really hard um running a business is just inherently super challenging mm-hmm. um I think it's all the more so when you're you know trying to do that in a values-led way mm-hmm. um and in a way that takes care um yeah. of the community of yourself of all those things and so I think a lot of it is like and this I think is also inherently political of like just being really, you know, having a recognition of everybody's full humanity and the challenges we're all up against and Mm. trying to pay the rent at all, (laughs) Um, you know, basic level. Yeah, totally. That's so important. I think you're right. Those are really beautiful values. Um, You also talked a little bit about, hyper-local economies and I would love to hear more about what they mean to you or maybe we can just start by kind of untangling a little bit what exactly you mean I can imagine that not everyone has a super clear idea about this Mm, yeah 
I feel like you have a lot to say about this too. So I'm going <laughs> to ask you a question about how back. Um, yeah, I think, um, so I think about local economies, particularly in the context of Wanderwell, in that, you know, we have clients and we work with folks all over the United States. However, we are deeply grounded in the Philadelphia community and economy, um, and most of our clients are here. And um, that was really intentional from the beginning. Like we, you know, most of my team is remote. We sort of work as an online business, but I do not consider us an online business. Mm -hmm. um, like I consider us a community driven business uh, that's really rooted in our location. Um, even though I have uh, employees that do not live in the state or the city. Um, and a lot of it I think is for me is about building an ecosystem um, and looking at an economy as an ecosystem and it's that as a way to um, build interdependency amongst businesses um, that I think can be really healthy. And as, as often I see something that's overlooked in sort of the, the, the uh, economic system of online businesses that's sort of arisen in the last 10 years maybe or so is uh, I see sometimes people forget that they can work with people around them. <laughs> yes. Which I understand because you're like in your office, in your house, <laughs> you're like, oh, I don't have to leave. How wonderful. <laughs> and then sometimes uh, people forget that that might be actually the easiest path to mm -hmm. both create business and growth and also connect with people. Um, so that's one answer. Um, we also, we do a lot of cooperative uh, development work in some partnerships with uh, other folks in the city of Philadelphia. And that really is super grounded in creating local economies of cooperation. Um, so one of the principles of co-ops is that there is sort of an open source ethos of sharing knowledge and uh, working with other co-ops and like really uh, leaning into interdependence as a model. Um, so that's, a, that's another piece of the work we do, really recognizing like brick and mortar and people's neighborhoods as economies mm -hmm. and, um, you know, membership and when folks uh, like in cooperatives own, are either worker owners in which the folks producing whatever is sold own the business or their member co-ops like food co-ops where you know, the local users of that business uh, mm -hmm. are the owners. And so that's a really like elegant example of something mm -hmm. that is generally hyper-local, although there's certainly larger co-ops now. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's cool. Thank you. But I think I'm curious because I live in a big city. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so in some ways, like uh, one of the conversations I have is like, building a business based on mostly local clients mm -hmm. uh, can be very robust mm -hmm. when you live in a large city. Mm -hmm. And I know you live in a small <laughs> place, but it's something that you've been looking at. Yeah. Is it okay if I ask you about oh, yeah, that? Yeah, totally, totally, yeah. Um, that's really interesting for me at the moment because I have lived in so many different places since starting my business. So I am in my fifth year now and 
I have spent most of my 20s in Brighton, which isn't a huge city. I think it has like half a million inhabitants, but there's a big e-commerce and web design scene, if you will. Um, but when I was living in Brighton, I really never connected with people. I never did much networking. I think in, in those years, I did like one local website and, and over years, which is really mind blowing in a way, you know, but um, mm. I think there were many reasons for that. One of the first ones was probably that when I started my business, I already hadn't been really feeling super committed to Brighton anymore. I knew I wasn't going to be there forever and I didn't have you know very specific plans but it was pretty open so I just kind of didn't really ground myself very much locally and um and I think that is partly because Brighton is so expensive it's very close to London so it's comparable to anything that's commuting distance to New York or Manhattan for example and I lived in a tiny house which was cool in the beginning but then you know it's just like one of those life experiences anyway and then um it also happens to be that most of my um, audience, both for the podcast and on social media, when I was still on social media and for my newsletter is, um, is kind of spread across what we now call Northern America. And I think that's because I did a business training in the very beginning that was mainly folks from over the ocean. And they, you know, like my first clients came out of that group and then they started recommending me, which is yeah. super sweet. But it's it's really interesting how quickly that can snowball, how you can become known in air quotes or ground your business locally in areas that are so far from you just because that's your first few clients and then they recommend yeah. you. And that there was there was no intention in that in the beginning. I was just glad to have any kind of work, you know. And I liked those people, and it was really cool because they recommended me to similar folks. And I was like, "This is amazing! I'm just going to keep it going." Um, but it also meant that I I actually now know very few people in the UK who do similar work or have similar ideas in business. And I've now in the summer moved to Scotland to a village and feel really committed here I have a lot of love and romantic energy for this part of Scotland and I'm just still really every day waking up feeling super glad that I get to live here and um, it is a super small village but we have an ecology center that has a really cool community of small business owners and I'm just kind of slowly getting to know people with a lot of gentleness you know I, th I think I don't want to kind of in interject, inject myself as like a business person I think I want to make connections as a human first so yeah. um it's really like a super slow really sweet process but I love the kinds of uh, businesses people have here and really excited to learn more and I also want to teach more locally so I have mm -hmm. an online program which I really love and I feel interestingly that even though that program and that community isn't local it does feel very intimate because it's such a niche group of people with very similar ideas at very similar points in their business so and then we have a lot of live you know meetups on zoom so there is a sense of intimacy and and I want to have that geographically local as well and I'm excited yeah. for that yeah I thought you brought up such a good point that reminded me of uh like I, I think one of the things I know about building locally is that uh it really is about connection in the relationship first and not like making a hard sell, <laughs> like show, showing up with your pamphlet and your, I don't know, uh, folders and stuff. But, um, 
And, you know, and I think that's what been one of the keys to how Wanderwell's developed and being really grounded here is that, uh, you know, I'm interested in the relationships for the sake of the relationships mm-hmm. and the connection and just like being engaged with cool people mm-hmm. and supporting their work, whether they're paying us or not, mm-hmm. um, and kind of being part of that. And I think that's been genuinely important just as myself and for my own personal fulfillment but also there's this benefit of like you know that's how a local economy gets created like mm-hmm. it's because there's a there's care um mm-hmm. I think embedded in those relationships mm-hmm. yeah um so stepping um back a little bit and kind of like zooming out again I would love to hear what your relationship to social media is like at the moment and how how it's been maybe changing over the years, if it has. Um, the first word that came to mind was fraught. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, I think, um, I can honestly say it's not something I've ever really invested a lot of time in as a business owner. Um, we have never had a very developed social media presence. Um, it's definitely one of those, like, shoulds that hangs out back in my brain somewhere <laughs> um, frequently, but, uh, you know, and this relates back to building through an ecosystem of relationships and, and also the kind of business that we do, which is at this point and has been, um, you know, largely one-on-one mm-hmm. and service-based. And so uh, have not needed to build an audience. Mm-hmm. And so we have a very robust word of mouth network and most of our business comes from referrals and like direct relationships and things like that. So in terms of like a marketing tool, it's not something that I've ever invested in. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think part of that's my personality is because I tend, I am an introvert, uh, a people person for sure. And uh, my strength is in building relationships and intimacy. So Mm -hmm. I think in some ways, like, Facebook doesn't make sense. I'm like, I don't really understand. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So we have an Instagram account. Uh, Do I post on it often or strategically? (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Um, And that's been okay so far. It's not something that's actually harmed the business at all. Um, Most of what I do that works is actually our newsletter. Um, And... Again, and this is totally because of who I am. It's mm-hmm. it's posted on an idiot, you know, I write on an idiosyncratic schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, like if there's not a weekly rhythm, there never has been. Um, but I have a ton of engagement there and people stop me on the street and like, you know, talk to me about what they've read and stuff like that's that. That's so, so cool. <laughs> that means a lot. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the kind of engagement that I'm personally interested in. Mm-hmm. Um That said, I am working on a book project and like on the horizon in 2020 is going to have to be audience building in a broader sense, which frankly scares me. It's one of those things where I'm like, I don't know how to do that. (laughs) Um, That I think is one of those like business moments that we all have where it's like, well, shit, I guess I'm gonna have to figure that one out Mm. Um, and figure out a way to do it that's fits how I want to be engaged uh, Mm -hmm. 
like I don't I don't think I'm gonna download an online course and like follow that (laughs) 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 to figure it out but (laughs) um yeah I think it's it's interesting yeah having kind of opted out of all of that for Mm -hmm. the entire career of the business so far Mm -hmm. um yeah, thank you for sharing that. I'm really excited to share that with my audience because I think it's really important for people to hear that there isn't just one way of marketing or building a network or finding your first clients. I think there's so many ways of doing this and it's really important that we find a way that's kind of aligned with who we are and what we believe in and what feels good to us on a day-to-day basis. And um, yeah, I love that you're prioritizing word of mouth and your newsletter I think word of mouth is often really overlooked and sometimes it's really as simple as reminding people at the end of a project saying like, Hey, actually, you know, like, what was that like for you? I'm really open to your feedback. And if, if you know anyone who might, you know, use our services, then that would be so meaningful if you could let them know. And people are usually really open to that, but they do need to be reminded because it's not always common sense. So I think that's really cool. And, I also love that you are spending energy on your newsletter. I think that's a more intimate way of connecting. And I th- I always think if someone signs up for a newsletter, it's it's really such a big invitation to be allowed into someone's inbox. And I want to honor that. And I think that in the times where I've prioritized social media more, looking back through my MailerLite account now, I'm not always that proud of my newsletters because they were, you know, one of many things that week. And I was really just having my hands in so many different pots. And that was just the way it was at the time. But I do feel like since I've left social media, I hope, I mean, I hope that my newsletters have become a little bit more exciting to read and a little bit more honest and I, that I'm a bit more present with the writing and the sharing. And I think that's a really valid choice to make. So, yeah. yeah. Definitely. I would say, I think the, the referral thing, there's two things that, um, that well, maybe three things that we do that I think work really well. Uh, one is it's actually in our contracts. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's a mutual expectations section in the mm-hmm. contracts that folks sign. And there's a piece of it that says something along the lines of like, we will shower you with gratitude for any referrals oh. you send our way yeah. um, during the course or after our work together. Yeah. Um, and then when we do follow up, uh, like sort of feedback form testimonial mm-hmm. type thing, there's a, there's a question that we ask that's, um, who would you recommend our services to and why? Mm-hmm. And I think that really helps because it, one, it makes people think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just triggers like that sort of, oh, right. Um, mm-hmm. and then the third thing is to build relationships with co-practitioners. Mm-hmm. So, you know, part of our business is bookkeeping. There's a bunch of accountants that, uh, that are similarly aligned, and I know I respect their work because mm-hmm. um, everybody's always trying to find a good accountant too <laughs> um, here. And they, you know, they'll send us clients all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's so cool. Awesome. Um, this is a really big question. So you can take this anywhere you like, and I really don't expect <laughs> a perfect answer. Um, but I wonder in a perfect world, like what would you like to see and how we trade with each other? Mm. That is a big question. I know. <laughs> um, you know, I think in a perfect world, 
I would like to see, and this is something I try and experiment with myself, of just having a lot of options for how to make it work. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think one of the things that I'm always thinking about uh, is that doing the right thing is really expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, it's pretty, there's a really clear path for being like a shitty employer and having poor labor practices and using like really cheap, shitty quality materials and all of that stuff. And like that will, that will create a more robust bottom line. Um, Paying people well is expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, in the U S our healthcare system is completely batshit broken. Um, And it's not feasible really for small employers to to be the ones that are supporting uh, their team's healthcare. It just, it's really hard to do. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I think having space to experiment um, is one of the important things to me. Like I do barter when the mm-hmm. circumstances are right as a way to open up work mm-hmm. to folks that can't afford it or it doesn't make sense to be investing in um, support at the moment. Um, but I recognize I only can do that because, you know, it's balanced by mm-hmm. something else. Like we do have to bring in revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think that's like, you know, that is not my wildest dream. Maybe if I really <laughs> sat here and thought about it for a while, but like as one answer mm-hmm. is to be able to open up the space of what's possible in terms of how we exchange Mm-hmm. Um, but recognize that, like, you know, and I think this is something that I really strongly believe is that, like, we do have to have profit in our businesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do have to be able to pay ourselves well, like, you know, as much as we can and, like, work on those things like we can. Um, mm-hmm. We have to have a, a basis of uh financial viability to put a wonky term on it but um and but but what that does is opens up space for more experimentation and like sliding scale and barter and like I think some other means of how we can um be in exchange together Mm -hmm. I get needs met I mean it's Mm -hmm. really like that's the root of it pretty basic stuff yeah Yeah, totally I think that was a great answer thank you so much (laughs) um I would love to hear a little bit more and that could be like an unpractical or an emotional or a visionary level it's like what kind of um services are you offering to small businesses yeah so our um two core offerings are strategic consulting Um, so I do one-on-one engagements with folks that are looking at things like the money, how does the money flow through the business, growth, um, how to build out a team, hire, how to not lose your mind as a business owner. And, and, you know, a lot of the, like, uh, say we work on the strategic and foundational elements Mm -hmm. of a business. So how does the design and the structure support the vision? And what are the components of that? How do they fit together? Um, 
And then we also offer bookkeeping on an ongoing basis. So, and, and often integrate the two. Um, so, you know, getting a P&L every month is one half of financial stewardship and then knowing what to do with it is the other. So we help folks with both. Um, and, you know, it's hard to find good bookkeepers in the world, unfortunately. So I think it is a really important aspect of, you know, and necessary to running a business in this day and age. Um, mm-hmm. So those are two core things. And then um, I've been getting into this work as I'm able, and it'll be a bigger piece of what we're doing in uh, next year. But uh, we do, I do teach as well from time to time and um, have did the first iteration of a business finance for anti-capitalists workshop this year, mm-hmm. uh, which was super fun. Um, I did it with the, in the cooperative community here. Um, but next year I'm going to be revisiting that curriculum and, um, doing more iterations of it and, uh, doing it online. So it's accessible to more folks. Uh, so that I'm excited about, um, and really just getting the, like the, that foundational information we were talking about mm. sort of at the beginning around the money piece. Um, but from a place that offers a capitalist critique mm-hmm. and is privilege aware and class aware and, um, all of those things, which I think are really important to do both mm-hmm. at the same time. <laughs> yes, totally. Um, one of my last questions is, what do you wish more people knew when they're starting out? Mm, um, I think... Uh, I think that there's, you know, that it's all, it's all an experiment. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the most important things to just keep holding, you know, through, throughout the process, even when you are further along, mm-hmm. um, is the change and failure and, um, I think putting, putting things to bed and having grieving processes mm-hmm. of the stuff that's no longer serving you, um, that all of those things are really important, um, because it's an active learning process. <laughs> like, I think even I look back like a year ago and there's stuff that like, I think I knew perhaps intellectually. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the things I think particularly happens when you're, when you're a person that works on other people's businesses all the time. Like mm-hmm. I have a lot of expertise and knowledge <laughs> about a lot of things about what works and what doesn't. And Wanderwell is also an acu- active incubator of all of those ideas and practices. And I also get it wrong all the time. Um, like there's things that I, I understand intellectually and then at some point I will stumble upon and be like, oh, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if I were consulting for myself, I would have figured this out three years ago. <laughs> um, and I think that's like so part of it. <laughs> yeah, totally. I love what you said about putting things to bad and like good grief practices because I think like some experience of challenge or failure is so inevitable. And if we really kind of honor that process and are really intentional with its ending, then yeah. that is making it so much easier for us to move forward and not do it again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or maybe do it again. I mean, <laughs> I feel like there's stuff that I'm like, oh shit. Yeah. That thing again. Whoops. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. 
totally i hear you on that yeah. <laughs> um, is there anything else that you would sh like to share and please tell us where people can find you yeah um so our website's wanderwellconsulting.com mm -hmm. um probably the best way to stay in touch is not on social media i probably shouldn't say <laughs> that actually um <laughs> since i should probably post there more next year but um but there's a newsletter sign up and that's generally where I put most of my energy mm -hmm. um, and where things like the anti-capitalist business finance work will get uh, gets worked out and mm -hmm. workshops will be posted first and stuff like that um, yeah so that's where to find us and uh, I'm, I tend to try to be generous with my time so I'm always happy to talk to folks about these ideas or um, their businesses and see where it goes from there Mm -hmm. yeah thank you so much I'm really really excited for your book as well that won't be out when this episode is coming out but maybe no. come again <laughs> but I saw like a flash of panic <laughs> <laughs> oh god <laughs> I was gonna say I am just very excited whenever you're ready I'm ready to read it yes. <laughs> and maybe you want to come again and talk about it when it's out I would love to help you promote it yeah thank you <laughs> thank well you. I have I have residencies planned for next year good so there are containers for this work already. <laughs> Amazing. It's all happening. thank you so much for your time and energy and for your beautiful thoughts Kate I'm yeah. very excited to share this thank you thank you it's been a pleasure <laughs>